Welcome to First State Insights, offering information, perspectives, and analysis for public policy, management, and community and economic development in Delaware. Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the Institute for Public Administration. My name is Philip Barnes, and I'm a staff member at the Institute, which is a research and public service center at the University of Delaware's Biden School of Public Policy and Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. Thanks for tuning in today. Today on First State Insights, I'm joined by Veronica Vanterpool. She's the Chief Innovation Officer with Dart First State, that is the transit operator here in the state of Delaware. She joined DART in December of last year. Prior to that, she worked in New York City with uh, V-Squared Strategies, a consulting firm that she founded, and also the Tri-State Transportation Campaign, which is a transportation advocacy organization. And she was also on the board of the MTA, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority in New York City. Welcome to Delaware, Veronica, and thank you very much for joining us on First State Insights. Thank you, Phil, for inviting me to be on the podcast. Sure, my pleasure. So uh, first question I have for you is uh, what attracted you to Delaware and your your position within DART, the chief innovation officer? I lived and worked in one other state before Delaware, and that was New York. And I loved the energy, the challenge, the enthusiasm, and the support behind so many issues, and particularly the issues of transportation and transportation advocacy. Working in the New York metro region is incredibly rewarding and challenging at the same time. And what drew me to this position at DART, uh, Delaware Transit Corporation, is the opportunity to have more impact on work in in an agency that is more nimble. So I'm accustomed to working with the departments of transportation in New York City, in New Jersey, in New York State, in Connecticut, agencies and bureaucracies such as New York's MTA or NJ Transit, PATH, Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, these behemoths of bureaucracies and agencies where it takes years to get things done. And it's very difficult because of the size of these agencies and the bureaucracy associated with them to respond nimbly to a lot of things. What is intriguing about a smaller state um, such as Delaware is being able to deliver impact a lot sooner and being able to work with other stakeholders in ideally a closer environment to coordinate and integrate ideas in a way that could take many, many years in in New York and that New York metro region. So I appreciated uh, that. Secondly, it was a new opportunity. It's a new role created um, at DART. It was created with the support of Secretary Jennifer Cohen of uh, Delaware Department of Transportation. She is solidly behind bringing Delaware into a new age of innovation. Uh, and many Delaware residents are familiar with her tenure at the Department of Motor Vehicles and what she's done there over the years. So she was very interested in supporting a new culture of innovation. And it was very promising to me to work in an area that was new, that I could shape differently with colleagues and different stakeholders and have my own imprint on uh, and start anew. 
And so what was your job? What is the job description, I guess, of the chief innovation officer at DART? Well, there were some key focus areas within the job description, and that was helping to advance uh, new technologies such as the autonomous shuttle technology. Uh, Delaware wants to be a leader in that space as other states have been. Secondly, it was bringing new approaches to the work of transportation, and more specifically the sector of transportation. One of the things I've been trying to communicate is that innovation is not synonymous with technology, that technology is indeed a tool of innovation, but that this role of chief innovation officer is really about looking at thinking differently about process, about systems, about workforce culture, and all the different tools and strategies that help transform process, systems, and culture. And again, technology being one of, of those strategies or tools. So while the autonomous shuttle technology is something that I'm looking to advance and I'm spearheading and leading with some other colleagues, I am also looking internally at how can DART support and provide quality transportation, which is part of its mission as an agency, but in a way that responds to the evolving mobility needs of Delaware's residents, visitors, and employees. Because we know, in particular in the state of Delaware, we have a significant demographic that is growing of those that are 23 to 38, that traditional millennial category. And that's just a little bit larger than the next largest demographic group, which is older adults, those who are 65 and older. They're 25% of the population. Well, their mobility needs are very similar in a lot of ways, but our transportation paradigm is not responding very well to their needs at this time. So how does the Office of Innovation think differently about providing for these evolving mobility needs? Yeah, so that's interesting. So that's your, that was the job description when you when you joined in December of last year. And since then, we've had a global pandemic, which has obviously hit the, the transit sector particularly hard. How has your role changed uh, since the, the coronavirus um, has emerged? In fact, it hasn't changed at all. It's been a perfect time for... Uh, CINOs, as the acronym for Chief Innovation Officers is um, across the, the country, it's been a key time for Chief Innovation Officers in agencies and departments because so much is coming to us to think and learn from, think differently and learn from other examples on what we need to do for what I'm calling pandemic preparation and planning. So I'm working internally on DART. PPP or P3, and P3 means a lot of different things in a lot of different sectors, particularly in the transportation sector, it's public-private partnership. In the planning world, it's something else. But for our purposes, um, we're, we're looking at a pandemic preparation and planning process where we're thinking about service delivery and what needs to change and how we need to innovate that in preparation for pandemics or public health more broadly. We're going to encounter the flu again. Um, and a lot of the measures that we're thinking through now in response to COVID are going to be very applicable for flu season, for example, and just, again, public health protocols. So I would say that my role hasn't changed. It's become elevated 
as an innovation officer, if you will, but it allows us as an agency to rely on this new office of innovation to sort of support and complement the work of our existing leadership within the agency. So the other chiefs that are very busy responding on, on the ground and in the minutes, it assigns this new mandate to someone who has the space to look and compare and think differently and bring other examples in and discuss them with our colleagues and think about, well, what do we need to be doing differently? Are we going to be having the same types of public meetings that we've traditionally had? Probably not. We're going to have to balance that differently between virtual meetings and in-person meetings. But how do we ensure that those virtual meetings are not marginalizing individuals that do not have access to virtual tools? So it's, it's thinking through all these different strategies that are, of course, spurred by this moment, but that are going to be sound practice moving forward. And I think a lot of agencies are starting to think similarly, such that, okay, well, we need to deliver service differently, or we need to respond um, in our operations in a way that is pandemic preparation. But a lot of these practices are going to be good best practices and sustainable practices moving forward for not just the transit industry, but for every other sector impacted by this. So, I mean, putting the COVID situation to the side for the minute, for the moment, um, what are some of the, the the issues or challenges that you see for transit service in Delaware? I mean, you already mentioned uh, one being the the changing demographics, particularly some of the older populations as one of the, the, the fastest growing groups in the state, and that actually happening down, occurring more in Sussex County, in the South, which which is starting to to grow and expand and develop pretty rapidly, but is still fairly rural. So. I imagine that's that's a challenge for from a mobility standpoint. But what are what are some of the other challenges that you, that you see facing transit service in Delaware? Number one would be perception, and the perception of transit in the state of Delaware is very poor uh, for a few reasons. There's a, a a small number of individuals who rely on transit, and then depends on transit and use transit. So this is a state where 94% of workers commute to his or her job via a a personal car. 2% of households in the state of Delaware do not have access to a car. They do not own a vehicle, nor do they have access. So this is such a small percentage of individuals that are using and relying on transit. And the perception in this state that I've come to learn is that most people are not engaging or interfacing with transit. So there's a a poor understanding of transit and who it serves and the importance of transit to society, to our economy, to the environment. In other cities that are transit dependent, where transit is a lifeline, and again, I'm talking about the New York Metro, for example, where 8.5 million people a day ride public transportation. Or you look at Chicago, the next biggest system, where you, again, having millions of people using these systems every day. Transit has 
uh, is understood as the lifeline of the economy, is understood as integral to people's livelihoods and people's sustenance and viability and sustainability as participants of society and in our economy. But we don't have that perception here because it is not a transit dependent state. We also lack support from a lot of other sectors in this state for transit. For example, the business community does not appear to be a champion of transit in this state. Whereas in other states and other cities, businesses are levied with uh, a tax in order to help support transit. Using New York MTA as an example, there are several dedicated revenue sources to support New York's MTA. One of them is a payroll mobility tax. So other cities understand the value of having different stakeholders pay in. But the structure of our transit system here is such that we receive very little in revenue from the service that we provide. And the money that we get to operate transit is received from the Transportation Trust Fund directly from the State Department of Transportation. So there's not a lot of new revenue sources that engage different stakeholders and quite frankly, beneficiaries of our transit system. So that contributes to a very poor perception of the importance of transit in the state. And it also makes it fragile, I would assume, because if you're dependent on a, on a sole funding source like the Transportation Trust Fund, then if something happens to that, that revenue source, then it impacts, it has an outsized impact on services. Absolutely. And every single agency, particularly at this time and when there's an economic downturn, suffers from the volatility of its revenue sources. Even systems that have a very balanced funding portfolio, and again, New York MTA is a very exemplar model for diverse funding sources. Even they as a system are, are suffering. But to your point, it is important to have a redundancy of sources, some that are volatile, some that are less, in order to support the viability of any system. And right now, um, Dell Dot uh, is impacted, as other state DOTs are, by a, a reduced by reduced revenue from motor vehicle fees and toll revenues, which comprise significant parts of not only Department of Transportation in Delaware's budget, but every state DOT that has toll roads. So it, it, you're absolutely right. It is very difficult for any agency that is dependent on declining revenue sources or volatile revenue sources, as you pointed out, uh, to plan and prepare um, and expand moving forward. First State Insights from the University of Delaware Institute for Public Administration. Today, we are speaking with Veronica Vanterpool, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at DART First State. As the Chief Innovation Officer, I mean, I have to ask you, so what kind of things are you working on right now? Um, and you did mention that that it's 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 not innovation is not synonymous with, with technology. And I imagine you have to say that because most people are going to assume or make that, that connection. And you've also mentioned autonomous vehicles, and that's sort of a, a sexy topic. So 
I guess what's what's happening there in in Delaware, and what other kinds of things are you working on? My one of my two focus areas is this autonomous vehicle technology. So. Uh, Secretary Cohen working with uh, CEO of DART, John Sisson, and others, we have purchased these two autonomous shuttles that will operate with an operator to execute some of the movements of the shuttle. And we are a leader in this space as a state DOT by purchasing these vehicles to better understand and deploy them around the state, understand how the technology works, understand what the public sentiment around this sort of, of mode is uh, to understand how this technology can integrate with other divisions, such as our broader Department of Transportation or our, our Traffic Management Center, um, and understand what is the interplay there. So the shuttles we, we received actually in December, uh, and we started to test them in February, and then shortly thereafter, we had to halt operations because of, of COVID. And so we are just about to start with testing of, of the shuttles internally again to launch this shuttle program quite, quite possibly in the fall. And the shuttle program is right now we have a predetermined route on the Danner campus in Dover, which is the same campus that uh, the Department of Transportation and the DMV are located. And it will operate as a shuttle around the campus. And ideally, we'd like to be able to move the shuttle throughout the state on different routes. Maybe we can bring it to Wilmington one, one summer or one fall. Uh, we would love to bring it around Legislative Hall in Dover. But in order to make those sorts of um, routes, we need significant planning and federal approval. So we can't just run it on the Dover campus and then say, this is running great. Let's bring it to the riverfront in Wilmington. It requires significant planning and, again, federal approval. But our goal is to move it around the state and see how this can, what are the different utilities of this shuttle and this technology? Do we envision the shuttle at this point uh, being uh, uh, an extension of our transit system? No. For one primary reason, the fastest it goes is 9.3 miles per hour. And, you know, that, that's not getting anyone anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> but could it be, um, you know, as we explore the uses of it, it particularly in, in a pandemic um, preparation era, can we think about the shuttles to transport individuals with sensitive immune systems? Can we think about the shuttles as circulators? Can we see, can we think about the shuttles as a complement to our existing paratransit service? And, you know, fast forwarding a few years, can the shuttle provide transit service in communities that it does not make sense to deploy a 40 foot bus or a 26 foot bus? Um, but that can serve individuals that need transit service. Uh, and, you know, that's much further down the, the road. That's maybe, you know, seven years away from entertaining something like that. But can we start to see these shuttles complement our transit system in a way that is providing service in areas where it may not be feasible or frankly cost effective to, to put a, a full size bus? So that's one focus area. The second is also sort of technology focused, and it's 
introducing this idea of microtransit into the state of Delaware. And microtransit is using software to support shared mobility. So for those of us familiar with Uber or Lyft, it's Uber or Lyft for a transit shuttle or a small minivan that is able to pull people together in a shared ride and connect people into a transit system that they may be disconnected from because of a first last mile issue or because of service infrequencies. So I, uh, the Office of Innovation, we applied for a federal grant in May for a, a pilot program in, in Sussex and in Georgetown to see how we can introduce this software into our existing vehicles such that someone that wants to use um, one of our DART buses in a, a larger zone and we in, in Georgetown we, we do provide transit service. There's um, some flex routes, there's fixed route buses and of course we provide paratransit. How can we connect people into our existing service in a way that they may not have wanted to um, engage. So for example, someone may live half a mile away from the nearest DART bus stop, but that half a mile might be treacherous to walk. It may not actually be accessible. It could be across a highway. They may not be able to walk half a mile because they have bad knees. So how can they use this new software to connect with another vehicle Maybe it's a local taxi that's participating that has just made a trip to their neighbor's house. And this technology can say, oh, I'll pick you up and bring you to the next dark bus stop that's leaving at 2.20. Maybe that is a way of opening up new riders um, and delivering new, new service to people who may not have wanted to try DART before or for which DART just was not convenient for them. And how do you, going back to something that you said earlier as well about um, one of the larger issues in Delaware is that it's not a um, transit dependent state. And so it doesn't have, I forget exactly what your words were and I'm paraphrasing, but you, you said something along the lines that it doesn't quite have the, it's a perception issue of, of what transit is in Delaware. How, how exactly, maybe you don't know um, or you're, you're thinking of different, possibilities here, but how do you change that? Because that sounds like a sort of a, a, an entrenched cultural that set of values that, that we have here. And those, those, are, those are awfully difficult to change. You need champions in support of transit. And one thing I've noticed uh, in this state is a lack of real advocacy, infrastructure, champion uh, transit and public transit. So there are individuals who are champions of transit and they have come to the front lines on issues that impact them when there's a service change, for example, um, or uh, their route is being cut or service is being reduced. So we see individuals come uh, to the public forefront to highlight these issues. But in terms of having advocacy groups um, or political champions that are taking this cause up and dedicated to this. I, I haven't seen that in my six months here. Again, I've heard people speak about this, and I know that there are legislators that care. 
But when you compare it to other cities that have this very entrenched vocal contingent that just focuses on improving public transit or improving walkability and bikeability. And I know that there's groups in the state that do focus on that and there is intersection there. But when you don't have a dedicated group or, or organization or political champion, it makes it a little d- difficult. So we need to start by finding those champions and asking them to highlight why this is an important issue, why public transit is important. For every person who does not have to purchase a car is one potential less car on our roadways, adding stress to our infrastructure and adding to traffic congestion. So there's an inherent benefit for even those for whom transit is not part of their every day. And we need those champions to help change that very entrenched culture. Um, That's one way to start. So final question that I have for you then. Um, So right now across America, there is a rallying cry and um, demand for policy and administrative systems that deliver um, socially just and equitable outcomes. So I'd like to ask you, what does that mean for you and what role does transit play? Investing in public transit delivers some of the most equitable outcomes that any city can see. I say that because transit connects people to jobs and housing and education and social services and recreation and particularly individuals that may not have any other choice. Individuals for whom uh, may not be able to drive because of a health condition or a mobility impairment. Individuals that may not have the income or the resources to support the very costly expense of car ownership every single year. We don't wanna disconnect any segment of our community, of our society, because they don't have access to transportation. And because of that lack of access, they are disconnected from all these other opportunities for social, economic advancement and mobility. Public transit investment is one of the best ways to ensure that we are meeting and delivering equitable societies and equitable communities. We can't just have communities that are for people who have vehicles. Um, There's a whole sort of externalities, bunch of externalities associated with that. We wanna ensure that we are providing connections to everyone. Secretary Jennifer Cohen of, of Delaware DOT, she talks about mobility as a right. And that is incredibly important. Everyone should have access to transportation that is safe. And that is a right. And we need to ensure that we are balancing the needs of all our residents in this state. That is equity, that is delivering on an equitable outcome. And I'm a firm believer that societies and cities that really support and invest in sound transportation systems, those that are affordable, those that are convenient, those that are reliable, those that are modern, are really ensuring that we are giving as many options to as many people to reach these resources and access to opportunities. Veronica Vanderpool, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Phil. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for the great questions. 
If you would like more information on DART, including the latest news, routes, and schedules, please visit their website at www.dartfirststate.com or link up with them on Twitter under the username at dartfirststate. That's all we have for this episode. I'm Philip Barnes from the University of Delaware IPA. And to learn more about IPA, you can visit us at bidenschool.udel.edu forward slash IPA. Thank you.